Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Greetings, this is Anoa of The Way with Anoa, one of the members of the podcast Revolution. We are part of the Media Revolt family, bringing you hard-hitting, independent, progressive news coverage and more. You know, gotta throw in a little pop culture, social commentary, and politics is, you know, mixing it all up, some sports every once in a while. But um, but we're we're here for you. So please like, subscribe, share our content. Um and help us, help us grow and help us continue to create good programming and, and great quality. Greetings and welcome to this edition of The Way with Anoa. This is a bit of a mashup of two interviews I had this past week. Um, we had a little bit of technical difficulties on the main website. So thank you for everyone who have been hanging in there with me and just, you know, checking everything out. So much has been going on over the past few weeks. We are within, what, 45 days or so of the upcoming election. But I implore everyone to definitely pay attention to what is going on with down-ballot candidates wherever you are. State and local absolutely matters. If not, it's always matter, but it, it's definitely paramount as we continue engaging and being active. And we talk about building movements and doing work. Looking at state and local candidates wherever you are is super important. If you're going green, Look at green candidates. Who's available? Look, check your ballots. Go to your secretary. Most secretary of states or your local county um, election, board of elections will have a sample ballot or some sort like that on there. So just check it out. Make sure you're informed. It takes nothing to at least help make sure, at least make sure your squad is informed, right? Like you might not have the time to go canvas and register voters or do any other get out the vote type of activities, but you can at least make sure that three, four, five, ten people in your immediate circle and your family are, you know, make sure they double check their registration if you're someplace that's notorious for purging and then just give a glance, go through like who, who's up for what on your, on your ballot, where you are, make an informed decision. Cause that goes a long way. So first up, I have a clip with one of my, one of my subscribers, one of my followers, Dakota Schmidt. Um, shout out to Dakota for being super patient. Um, Dakota and I chopped it up a bit about the John Doe files and, um, you know, that, that, that governor, I have my air quotes over here from Wisconsin, um, and the mess, the mess that was the tangled web that was woven, um, in terms of the, the, the process with the recall and how they finance all of that. Um, it's really interesting and it's a lot of, it's really great example of why we need, uh, not just campaign finance reform, but why we need Citizens United overturn. But we, there are other cases that came after Sydney United that are equally problematic in terms of removing things like aggregate funds, um, having dark money, not being able to trace who's doing what in the system. It, it, it does create a serious problem in terms of, as we saw, the efforts in that instance for the recall vote back in, what was it, 2011 or so? Um, yeah, so, so that's the first segment you're going to hear. And then the second segment coming up after that, um, is my interview from this week with um, representative of Working Washington talking about secure scheduling. So a couple different local, you know, trying to highlight more local. We'll definitely love to start trying to get some of the folks from down here in Atlanta and elsewhere involved and engaged. Um, so tune in and check it out. All right. Thanks, you guys. Peace. Thanks. Hello, this is a Saturday um edition of the way with Noah. I am, you know, coming to you special edition to talk about something that really got overlooked, I really think, in the um the media blitz for this week. I mean, people are so focused on the dumpster fire and other stuff going on in the world. Um that 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 some news out of Wisconsin actually I think in some ways flew under the the radar. Um I am joined this evening by Dakota with Dakota Schmidt. Um how are yes. you doing this evening? I am. I'm doing as best I can for to, the the best mood to talk 
about a subject like this, okay, which is uh, not good at all, as you'll, you're about to talk about. Well, I, I just want to back up for a second. Thank you so much for bringing this to my attention because I had not, yes. you know, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, because Scott Walker asked um, the, the the John Doe files, you know, for 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 folks not aware, because I, I will admit I have no qualms admitting, and I appreciate Dakota for bringing this to my attention. Um, you know, I got a message from Dakota, what maybe yesterday or Thursday. You know, are you going to cover this? You know, when you go on, and I was like, oh, I don't go on again until Tuesday. Well, let's do a special podcast edition to talk about it because this is exactly <laughs> the type of stuff we're talking about is wrong with the system and with financing elections and stuff. And and this is this is the. In the way the government, at least in Wisconsin, with the Supreme Court and other courts, protecting you know this type of behavior, but but I just want to I'll I'll turn it over to you. And just like so, what exactly? Why? What 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 triggered this? Why is this passionate? I know you said you're a guy who writes about basketball. Yes, um, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'm a guy that writes about basketball that kind of should be happy with Skywalker because he kind of made dirty deals to bring a new city for the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> but uh, this story, though, um, this this whole thing happened around uh, 2011, 2012, when Skywalker was in a bunch of heat, and they were trying to uh, a bunch of unions were trying to you know break down, especially uh, uh, teacher unions were you know uh, uh, trying to trying to break him down, and he actually had to. The pressure was so high he had to actually get into another recall election. He was initially elected in two, 2010, and the recall election was in 2012, which is uh, pretty nuts. So, yeah, this whole corruption thing started because of uh, the unions going after Scott Walker and him just getting in a whole bunch of mess. Yeah. So because Scott Walker, so so do you want to just kind of kick it up, you know, just because Scott Walker asked, just give us a little bit of the framing of what we're talking about, you know, what's going on, what has been going on. Um, I know this arose out of, you know, we know that when Scott Walker came into office, uh, we brew the day when Scott Walker came into office, but, <laughs> you know, Scott Walker came into office um, and and then when the recall happened, he needed money. Mm-hmm. To, to to fight the effort, um, to basically be able to stay in office and to continue his anti-union and various other, you know, problematic policies and stances, um, and and apparently, and it's so wild because there's there's this article from the Guardian, and I'll make sure that the link is, you know, you guys can see the link in the description in the box, but but there's an article from the Guardian, and and this you could see the images, like it has graphics and stuff, and you can see like they were actually writing that in the memo because Scott Walker has. Like it, it's just it's just insane. So Dakota, like like what kind of like what 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 from your point of view, you know, this triggered something. So can you just kind of walk me through that, and then let's just talk kind of a little bit about about this issue and where it is now. Um, what triggered me to um, you know get heated about this? Yes. Uh, basically, how Scott Walker needed to get a bunch of you know big-time corporate corporate donations to have him actually stay in his position as governor in Wisconsin and ultimately, you know, become one of the big-time, I guess, members of the Republican Party. Um, In my personal opinion, if it wasn't for these, you know, big-time deals that he made following the recall election, getting, you know, up to $12 million, I don't think that he would be in office right now. Right, right, right. Um, right, and and I mean, I mean, and basically, what what basically what 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 documented? So so like just to back up for a little bit. So from from reading, and you know, great investigative work by the Guardian and whomever leaked these documents, right? Um, because that's exactly what happened. There's there's a huge batch of documents were leaked to the Guardian, um, that have been published in its entirety by the Guardian, and this was called the John Doe investigation. 
And basically, it was suspected campaign finance violations by the campaign and their larger network. And you, you, you can you can see the, the, you know, the checks that were cashed, and they say because Scott Walker asked in the memo line. And these are tens of thousands of dollars, you know. And and he was he he flew down, you know, to get money from this person, and that was basically the advice that he was giving. You know, they're like, we need to we need to figure out how to fundraise money. What do we do? And the sit down was, you need to talk to rich people, talk to corporations immediately to get that cash in. And what happened was they were funneling, the money didn't go directly to his campaign. It went to a third, uh, unaffiliated third party. So this is the whole issue involving, you know, non-disclosure, um, the, the dark money. Uh, uh, th- this is this post-Citizens United, to quote, to quote the article, right? This is the dark, obscure post-Citizens United world. And, and this is a problem when we now have judges in Wisconsin that are just like, well, um, you know, this went up all the way up to the Supreme Court last uh, July, and the conservative majority, you know, they found that it was, it was, you know, uh, the the prosecutors misread the law and the campaign finance law, and they were targeting individuals who who were innocent of any wrongdoing, and, and basically because. This whole notion that because it's not technically wrong, we should we should be permitted to do it. It is it, it's highly problematic. And like you were saying, had he not been allowed to amass all this money, you know, he likely more than likely would not have won the recall. You know, won the recall election, which was a brilliant you know move of citizen action and engagement um, by a populace that was really wanting to oust you know this 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 egregious actor. Yeah, um, and it's. It's crazy enough. I, uh, you know, in the build up to this, I was watching like a few Young Turks videos, and mm-hmm. uh, Scott Walker's uh, campaign funding TV was uh, four to one compared to the opponent in terms of you know TV, radio, print, mm-hmm. web, all that kind of stuff going on in Wisconsin. So Walker definitely, you know, had money on its side, and you know, still barely won the election. I think it was like right. 50, 53 to 47. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I don't think it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, but yeah, so, so they targeted, you know, the rich of the rich. They targeted uh, people who, and, and like I said, you can go on the, the Guardian website itself and actually see all of the documents and filings. And what happened was actually these documents were supposed to, were ordered to be destroyed. Um, and yet a copy of them was leaked, you know, and it is available for public record, but had someone not done that, we would not, you know, there's been a lot of hoopla over leaks and stuff. And I don't, on the one hand, it's great that, that it happens because we do get information about very, um, unsavory behavior that is happening, particularly when talking about government government officials. This is the type of stuff that you would think should be public record and available, but it's not because of the way different dealings and stuff transpire, which is, Part of the problem with citizens, part of the problem with Citizens United, among many other things, um, you know, some of the allegations involve the use of shadow committees that allowed him to solicit large sums of corporate cash, um, as well as uh, well, he so so what the, so apparently he had <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> he, received, yes. he received money from Donald Trump. Um, you know, he re- received investments and things like that from, you know, hedge fund and corporate law firms yeah. and, and, and you know, Steve Forbes and others. But he but one of the things that it points out is that he also enjoyed a 45 minute audience with Trump in his Fifth Avenue lair. That sounds so. And this is back <laughs> in 2000. This is back in April 2012. It sounds um, like a James Bond movie or something. It, it really does. <laughs> I mean, really, no, this shapes up to be the who's who of, you uh-huh. know, the political bi- villains, you know, in the battle for corporate campaign finance reform and electoral reform as a yeah, whole. Yeah, he had, you know, he had the, you know, big names and, you know, the big, you know, donors in the Republican uh, Party, the Sheldon Adelson's, Adelson's, the Carl Icons, of course, Donald yeah. Trump chipped in with 15000 to help Skywalker, even though he, you know, keeps on calling uh, Hillary crooked, but he helped, you know, cro- uh, crooked Skywalker. Exactly. Uh, That's a great point, know, actually. He had, uh, you know, all these Republicans helping, but also, you know, some of the, you know, bigger, uh, bigger people in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, 
a million dollars from uh, John Menard, you know, owner of a Menard's a big home mm-hmm. improvement store in the uh, Midwest. Menard is a multi-billionaire, and <laughs> and uh, one, of, one of one of one of a few, like you mentioned, Carl Icahn. Yeah. I mean, one of a few that he contacted, he he, he connected with, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. So just so and just thinking about this, right? And here we are now. I know they're waiting to find out if the Supreme Court is going to take up the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, so yeah. So what? What if anything? Because this hasn't. I mean, obviously there was this investigative report done by the Guardian, but it's not like this has really made the news cycle all like that. What if anything is the, you know, from what you've noticed, what is the response if anything like there in Wisconsin? Um. Uh. In terms of a lot of people, you know, not being surprised because, you know, there's been, you know, since Skywalker took office because that whole uh, anti, uh, the whole unions going uh-huh. after Walker, that happened a month after he went into office. So for the entire his term, there's been a bunch of negative attention towards Skywalker and it the attention has, you know, built up and, you know, bounded up over uh, since the report was announced, but not a lot of people are, you know, surprised right. about how crooked uh, Skywalker is. Yeah, and it just seems like also there was this, this, this larger web that was created to be able to not only fund and support Scott Walker, you know, not just in that recall election, but also to be able to make sure that certain Republican like state senators, others who were, were facing recall elections as well, like like basically there was this massive network, it seems like it also seems like you could argue that it was collusive behavior and 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 being able to keep these people in office against the people's will for you know, so to speak. Um I know they said the what did they call it? They called the Wisconsin Club for Growth was this this lobbying yeah. group that they used to funnel the money through. Um, raised twelve million dollars and ran mm-hmm. a soup to nuts campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this this is just comical. This is the type of stuff, like you said, James Bond. This is the type of stuff you expect to see in what, like some awful movie with a cheesy villain, but yet this is real life. Yeah, and this guy, like I like I said before, he has become like a big figure. In the Republican Party, uh, you know, his uh, candidacy was uh, really short, but he was a candidate for president right. uh, in 2015. Uh, he might, unfortunately, run in, you know, 2020. And uh, there are actually reports out, uh, I think it was either today or yesterday, that he is helping out with the uh, Mike Pence uh, VP debate prep. He's yeah, actually uh, playing that. as uh, he's actually playing Tim Kaine. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, but I did see that, and someone's like, "They're like, they're like, he's playing a Democrat." And I said, "What?" They're like, "Yeah, he's playing debate producer. He's helping with debate prep." I'm like, "This is this is pretty." Um, and that's- and one and in response to this uh, to this uh, Skywalker uh, recall thing, there was another. A uh, story, a negative story that came out of a Skywalker, in terms of a uh, uh, Skywalker pro Skywalker groups uh, using their 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 donations to help the legislator ease laws on uh, lead paint. What? Yeah, lead paint laws. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> so wow. there's. So much crazy stuff going on in Wisconsin. Wow, 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 wow. So, so we, we this this is this has already been going on, but 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 basically, it's one of those you know the Guardian has basically brought to light what people anecdotally already knew on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you think? Where do you think? What's next? Like, obviously, we're waiting to see if the Supreme Court will pick up um, this case or not, but. You know, we have this whole issue. Like, this is a prime example, again, of what is wrong with Citizens United and in and, and similar case law. Where do we, like, what do we do next? Like, where do we go? Do um, 
Me personally, I am going to, you know, try to scout the, you know, best because the uh, next uh, governor, gubernatorial, gubernat- gubernatorial Wisconsin, or Texas, or California, or Florida right. governor election, not gubernatorial. <laughs> <laughs> but the next uh, gubernatorial election is in, you know, 2018, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get this, you know, this corruption out to everybody that I can possibly, you know, get that is in Wisconsin. And uh, me personally and, you know, all those uh, people that fought in 2011, 2012, 2014, when he was, you know, up for uh, re-election once again, uh, we're just going to, you know, fight to make sure that he isn't, doesn't have a third term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and 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 the the Walker, I mean, the Walker presence, the Walker, you know, terms has has been, he's had a definite impact on the state, you know, not just in terms of the legislation that has been force fed through and the support for, you know, uh, uh, certain policies and stuff with Republican controlled um, House and, but but also in terms of you know the state judiciary making sure that certain people remained and kept their seats on the bench to keep a conservative majority. Um, yeah, it, 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 it is, it's going to be a lot to undo and it, it, it is a definite, hopefully the Supreme court, which I don't, ooh, excuse me, with, 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 with a short, short staffed court, we'll see how that actually turns out. Um, but, you know, they, he he said, "What is this? Is this another one? Uh, a general consultant to you know the, the Governor Walker's campaign committee said, um, WCFG, uh, Wisconsin, you know that group is leading the coalition to maintain the court. Thus far, I have raised four hundred fifty thousand, and I'm looking to raise an additional four hundred and nine thousand. And I mean, I mean, it's just documents, you know, how they went after." Um, extra money from the Federalist Society, from all just just the who's who of conservative America, um, to, to to stack the chips in in Wisconsin. And this is exactly again to reiterate, this is what this when everyone talks about what's wrong with politics, money and politics. This this is the problem. Um, and it just looked the other way because these these third these third uh, party groups that are allowed to amass all this money can heavily influence, you know, three people raising millions of dollars can heavily influence more than, you know, 20 volunteers knocking on doors in a district. Like it, it really unfairly tips the scales in the favor of a select few. Um, so anything else that you would like to kind of put in there, add to expound upon? Um, I just want to say that I do not like Skywalker. I don't know uh, if you've, you know, gotten that inclination <laughs> during this interview, but I do not. Uh, I'm not a fan of uh, Mr. Uh, Skywalker. Not mm-hmm. at all. And, you know, this feeling, you know, just, you know, intensifies my uh, dislike for Walker because of how he has you know, like I said, become, you know, a big face in politics, even though he really hasn't done anything really much to help the uh, the state of Wisconsin as a whole, and especially some of the things that he uh, did in um, Milwaukee. But I'm sure you probably don't know about this, but uh, Scott, Scott Walker, the Walker campaign actually was uh, sued by uh, – the, some civil rights organizations in Milwaukee because he wouldn't help put a transit system that would go through the inner city of uh, Milwaukee and help, really? you know, no, bring know that, that inner city, uh, folks, you know, a, you know, an easier path towards, you know, getting jobs in uh, suburban areas. Oh, yeah. That, um, yeah, and I know, and, and that is that is an issue that is often opposed by certain groups in many areas, and and like you were just like you just said, you know, when jobs move out to suburban suburban areas, that that lack of connection and transit access it does make it extremely difficult 
for people to, to have access to meaningful and gainful employment. Um, yeah, Scott Walker, you know, not in Wisconsin, but Scott Walker has been in Bain, I think a pain in the ass for most of the country. Um, mm-hmm. And he, and you're right. He has, he has become this Republican darling, so to speak. He, he, it's like him, it's like him and Rick Perry are bookends for some reason. I don't understand why people, you know, why they, they have been able to rise on the national stage the way they have, because they haven't essentially done anything. But I guess from a conservative standpoint, you know, there is for those who want to manipulate and, and put forth certain agendas, you know, he's somebody they can work through. Um, but I, I, I'm inspired, though, by how much community engagement and civic action has been growing and, and increasing across the country. So hopefully, you know, people are already gearing up in the battle um, for the next go round against him. And, and we do see now the power of our own ability to raise money and, and, and turn out the vote. Um, I think for so long, many, many people have just believed like it doesn't matter because people are going to do what they want to do anyway. But but that's why they are able to do what they want to do, because for a long for a lot of us, yeah. we, we're not as engaged as we could be. Um, it's hard because we all work and do other things, but um, it's definitely necessary. And just reading through some of the John Doe files, reading through this article and some of the pieces, I mean, it, it, it makes it very clear about why we have to be engaged and aware of what is going on, because there's so much going on in the backroom dealings that we, we, we can't afford to, to, to not pay attention to what the elected officials and those who want to be elected officials are doing. Yeah. And I, and I, and going off your point, I, I'm afraid that if, you know, more people, uh, you know, don't, you know, speak out and, you know, get together in community events and, you know, uh, this establishment uh, of either, you know, Republican or Democratic Party is going to continue to grow and grow. And especially with Scott Walker, like you said, he's kind of become the golden boy of, uh, of the Republican Party, especially with mm-hmm. the golden boy in terms of, you know, the big time, the Sheldon Adelson's and all the other, uh, the, the Koch brothers and all the other big time right. uh, uh, donations kind of become the golden boy or, you know, the puppet of uh, the Golden Boy puppet of the Republican Party. And I, like you said, more people need to continue to, you know, spread out, speak out, and, you know, bring change to a very corrupt system. And uh, one last thing I have to say is if anybody in Wisconsin is listening to this, go, go out in November and vote for Russ Feingold. One of the yes. more progressive senators, uh, you know, in the country. Yeah, we're having Russ Feingold in in yeah, that is definitely. I mean, Russ Russ would is definitely a needed addition, um, and 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 his presence, his voice, and hopefully the energy around him will will continue to permeate throughout as we look forward to, to midterm elections and beyond in the state, like I'm, like I said, like if we could start turning around some of these states. I mean, I really think that we could be headed into a good direction for America, you know, like um, just, just to kind of just closing out, just, just, you know, skim through this article again, just one of the things I think that really does need to be discussed is, I mean, the Supreme court and, and, and this is regards of how you feel about what's going on on the national level, but this is why the Supreme court really does become important because if they do choose to hear this case or hear cases like it, you know, conversations about what is considered coordination between these third party groups that have these largely unregulated funds and campaigns, like what that actually is, you know, that's been left open to interpretation. It's not very clearly defined and we're seeing, you know, real serious issues like this, and, and, and it, has to, it has to be addressed. Or if it's not being addressed by, if the Supreme Court refuses to, you know, answer it, we need to pressure Congress. You know, we need to pressure Congress to do something about this because this is a problem. And it, it is a large problem, you know, when you're talking about a gubernatorial <laughs> election. It is a goofy word. You know, but we see it also on, in lo- we see it to a lesser extent, but we still see it when you're talking about local level elections. Because even when you talk about city council positions and things like that, there is money, the, especially in this cycle where people are, in, where where you have rank and file and excitement for Donald Trump, you do not necessarily, you have some of the big backers, some of the bigger people are not as, they don't really care as much. They're not, they're not really focused as much on the general election 
as they are on down ballot races. And we really do need to pay attention to what is going on and where money is coming into our communities from. And, and our voice and our numbers are, are, you know, I know we always look at like, oh, the rich and powerful, our voice, our numbers, strength, the numbers, right? And all that jazz. So um, Dakota, thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. I, I'd love talking to you some more about, you know, other subjects. So definitely, um, you know, drop me a line. Big 10 sports always. Um, yes. <laughs> so we can, we can, I saw the Ohio State game actually got delayed because of, uh, weather and stuff in Oklahoma, but, but definitely let's, let's continue to not just talk about this and, you know, what's going on. Keep me, please keep me posting what's going on in Wisconsin, but, but let's talk some more about, we can even chop it up about sports one day. <laughs> you can school me. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Next up, I have Milton. This is an interview I had for my Tuesday night show, The Way With Anoa, live from the Benjamin Dixon Show channel. Um, you know, like and subscribe. Shout out to Big Brother Benjamin Dixon. Um, also, like and subscribe on my actual YouTube page, The Way of Fanoa. Um, but this was an interview that I did Tuesday night. Um, just wanted to clip everything out. We had a little bit of technical difficulties. But uh, we were talking about C- the new law passed by Seattle City Council, passed 9-0 about secure scheduling. Milton breaks it down beautifully with Working Washington. I mean, you know, we've had, we've seen the big fight branch out across the nation 515 is still going strong um secure sick scheduling is definitely something that you know secure scheduling also you know paid family leaves um you know medical sick leave those these are issues that are crucial to the success and livelihood of workers across the country and in a lot of cases these positions it disproportionately affects you know people of color and of course, you know, low, what, 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 is, what people may term low income workers. So, so really great stuff going on. Really thankful that Milton representing work. Please share the link for the new, this, this is, this is, you know, this is just like back in the day for those of us who are old enough to remember being in the garage, you know, trying to record, like if you're trying to, if you thought you were aspiring singer or rapper or something, trying to do a little something, something. And that's the equivalent of the way of a right now. Just, you know, a, a upstart in your parents' basement, even though I'm, I don't live with my parents. But um, I am trying to get Milton Davis back in here connected. Like I said, if you were able to understand me, um, my interview tonight is with Milton Davis of Working Washington. We're going to talk about secure scheduling and um, the very awesome bill that just passed in Seattle yesterday. Um, nine to zero passed Seattle City City Council is a great win for for workers. Um, I believe they're the second city after San Francisco, um, and I think like New York and some other places are considering um, similar legislation going forward. So I am trying to connect Milton again. I want to apologize. One, I want to apologize to you guys for technical difficulty because I was so caught up with the the, the news alerts and stuff um, popping up that I did not actually check my sound before I started. Um, I'm flying solo this week without my my producer. He is out of town with family, um, you know, sending them the best. And um, I'm just, I was just so psyched to be able to talk to you guys and get in there that, you know, I didn't even know. I'm just, and I checked our live production thread and I was like, oh, you guys can't hear me. Anyway, I'm bringing Milton back in now. Um, so just hang tight, tweet the link out, please, because we're here for the next 37 minutes until the Benjamin Dixon show. <laughs> you know, it's always good and fun times, but at least in the next 37, 35 minutes, I'm going to give you the best quality content I possibly can. And I definitely appreciate you. But this is another good reason, if you have not already done so, to become a patron of The Way, because I am in desperate need, obviously, of making sure that all the equipment has a major has a major overhaul um, so that I can continue to provide you with greater quality, a dollar, five dollars, whatever you can spare. Um, if they'd let you do quarters, I'm sure that would be great, too. But um, just patreon.com backslash The Way of Fanoa. If you have not already done so, please go check out my YouTube page. Um, ben graciously provides this space, you know, before his show at nine to allow me to build out the audience and to bring you content with a slightly different feel from what he does. Um, but definitely go check out The Way With Manoa on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, so I am bringing Milton back in so we can dive into this conversation and then I'll get to a little bit of the news I was trying to. And if I have time, I'll get to some of my comments about Charlotte and um 
what the other what three four five police deaths that have happened in the past week because there's it just seems like we get through one you know we get through one and then there's another one we get through one, we get to that one then there's another one. before you can even breathe and catch your breath there's another one um and the ignorance the level of ignorance i mean we can blame donald trump for a lot of stuff and people are definitely more brazen these days and saying anything and everything but 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 you know, people have always been that way. And I think people are just, they, I think the normalcy, the normalization of Donald Trump that we've seen over the last year makes a lot of people feel like they can say whatever the hell they want to say whenever they want to say without any consequences. And I'm just letting y'all know, you better watch what you're saying because the clapback is very, very strong and tolerance levels are extremely low. So I'm waiting for Milton to come back in. Uh, one of the things that um, I just wanted to highlight earlier today was I saw there was a piece in the USA Today about, you know, the CEO of Milan, um, Heather Bresch, who also happens to be the daughter of West Virginia Senator and former Governor Joe Manchin, Democrat. Um, the piece was talking about how basically her mother used her position on this National Education Committee to push the EpiPen that that she, you know, drove up the price on um, as CEO of Milan Pharmaceuticals. And so the, 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 the headline, it's like, okay, mother of Milan CEO. It's like, yeah, but she's also the wife of a sitting U.S. senator, right, using her position and power of influence. And, and, and why do we care about We should care about this. And it's not just, oh, the Dems are crooked. They are. They're crooked, either equal to the Republicans or, you know, you know it's similarly disconcerting. But we should really be concerned about the way in which policies are driven uh-huh. Oh, you're here. Yay. Okay. I can hear you now. Okay, great. Yay. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just, <laughs> apparently I look over in our live production thread and they're like, we can't hear you. Right. You've been talking <laughs> for like 10 minutes and nobody hears you. I'm like, oh my okay. God. I'm glad it was, great. yeah, I thought I was no. messing it up. Okay. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me today. Really right. exciting stuff. Really appreciate you for taking some time out. Um, if you can just introduce yourself. And just kind of a little bit about uh, working Washington, and then let's talk secure scheduling. So um, I'm Milton. I send a lot of annoying emails for working Washington um, do communications. (laughs) Um, And so uh, what we do is essentially we're a workers' rights advocacy group for the state of Washington. Um, So anything that um, affects employees, uh, whether they're large or large companies, small companies. Um, pretty much any type of business, we generally try to do things that um, increase the quality of life uh, through their work environment. Um, So if you, a a quick history would be um, $15 minimum wage in Seattle, things like that, uh, we've been a part of Mm -hmm. the past uh, four or five years now. Oh, sweet. Um, So with this, this I, I was watching because it's shout out to Andre Andre Roberge yeah, yeah. for our from our production staff for for connecting us and making this interview possible. So you know he's been really like we've been talking internally a lot about this um you know this issue of secure scheduling. We've been talking about fake pay family leave like you know we've been talking about a lot of labor issues internally and stuff. So it's been exciting to watch, um I guess the push. You know, especially leading up right, to the city right. council vote yesterday, um, to see that collective action happening. I mean, I mean, it's obviously so. It was always very exciting for us too. And I think that what um, has made it even more exciting is, like you were saying, it's kind of been this gradual push. Um, I mean, it's secure scheduling, but it started with you know fifteen an hour, and it started right. with a lot of things even before that. And so, um, I think what's really exciting for us is to see not only this kind of work and push payoff over the long term, but also see when we look toward the future, Seattle being leading and Washington being leading um, and on the cutting edge of these things that are happening. Well, it definitely seems like Seattle. I mean, usually when you hear about these great trends, especially these like great progressive victories, it's Mm -hmm. Seattle definitely is at the forefront of that. Um, and it's definitely, you know, these community oriented organizations, you know, or, 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 you know, labor led movements that seem to be really driving the force of change in many places. Um, so just let's so let's just, you know, we talked about, right, the gradual, like what the, what the minimum wage has been, what, two, it's been two years now? Uh, yes, it went right, right. The 15 uh, went two years ago. Yeah, so so we had the 15 two years ago. And now just yesterday we had this, the, the Seattle City Council voting 
um, for nine to zero secure scheduling. Right. So can you, can we, let's talk a little bit like, so what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about secure scheduling and what are we looking at here um, in terms of the vote yesterday? Okay. And so um, it's pretty groundbreaking. I mean, to give you kind of a backstory and what it is um, essentially okay. uh Workers, baristas at um, Starbucks actually uh, started to take notice and a lot of other places, but uh, these baristas took the first action. They started to notice that uh, their schedules weren't balanced and flexible and therefore neither were their lives. It's hard to plan things on short notice. Um, It's hard to have your shifts change and have it be out of your control. Um, And so all these things led for these baristas to go to the Starbucks corporate headquarters and deliver a letter to um, Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks. It was about a year ago to the day almost, um, letting him know that they wanted uh, some more balance uh, to their schedules Mm -hmm. that they had. Um, He actually talked well about it, um, and like large corporations tend to do, uh, talked about um, (laughs) how that that change was coming, and it was always on the forefront, and uh, just be patient, and eventually that patience ran out, um, and that's when it was decided to take this to a policy level. Um, and so when we talk about secure scheduling, what we're talking about is four main components. Um, so the first the first component is getting two weeks' notice. Um, okay. So you get two weeks' notice of any changes to your schedule or two weeks' notice of your actual schedule itself. Um, so instead of some places, uh, like I know there's some Safeway workers who are saying that they get their schedule three days in advance for the next week um, or two days oh. in advance. So you can imagine if you have right. child care needs, want to go to school, want to have another part-time job, that's uh, problematic. Um, the second part of it um, is called predictability pay. And so predictability, predictability pay allows for a worker to be compensated when the employer um, makes sudden changes to their schedule. Um, So, for example, um, if I'm scheduled uh, to work at McDonald's uh, tomorrow Mm -hmm. at 2 p.m. and my employer all of a sudden calls me and says, just kidding, you're not, um, then they're going to have to compensate me for that. Um, If they had a schedule unexpectedly, then I get paid um, one hour of what the shift shift time would have been in addition to the work that I do. So if I get in, if I work eight hours, all of a sudden I'm going to get paid for nine. Um, the second is that uh, they subtract. If, if all of a sudden my shift disappears, mm-hmm. I still need to be paid for half of that shift. Oh, okay. Um, so if I'm supposed to work tomorrow and I'm counting on that 80 bucks I'm going to get from that shift, and all of a sudden you call me and say, don't come in, you're not getting that 80 bucks, I'll still get $40 from that shift. Um, the third of the four components um, – is right to rest. Um, so right to rest means, have you ever heard the term uh, clopening? No. Okay, so clopening, it's it's actually a combination of the words uh, closing and opening. Uh, so clopening uh, means that okay. you're, you know, let's say uh, you're a barista and you're working at Starbucks and you have to close and you're there until 2 in the morning and then all of a sudden you have to you turn around. Open. Exactly. So you're supposed uh, to be here. I had that happen to me late. in my old Navy days. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it retails a part of it. So what that says is, look, if you're going to have to be closing, um, I'm not going to have to turn around and wake up four, five, right. six hours later. What we do is say you have to give 10 hours in between. Um, and if you go under 10 hours, then you also have to pay additional income for the amount of hours um, that they're going to be going in there. Um, so they get overcompensated for that too. Now it's important to remember though that if you want to clip in, if you need the hours, you don't mind the schedule, right. you can request that. Um, you just can't okay. be forced to or have that be posted and then have to change it. And then the last part is access to hours, which just says, hey, um, a lot of people who are working want full-time hours. Everyone wants 40 hours right. a week. Um, what happens a lot of times is instead of giving those full-time hours, they'll hire a part-time employee, another part-time employee. Um, and then you can be denied certain benefits and it's cheaper overall. Um, and so you're sitting there saying, I would like those hours, but they bring in someone else to take those uh, small amount of hours. So um, now uh, employees who are already there, full-time employees, um, get access to those hours first before they can hire part-time workers. Oh, okay. So that's those four things kind of combined to paint the picture. And the way we like to say it to people is $15 an hour was one part of the struggle here in Seattle. Right. Um, for rights. But having those hours or having that um, – hourly salary doesn't do you much good if you also don't have the hours to make that worth it. So this kind of completed the picture of creating more balanced, flexible life for workers. 
Right, right. That's and and you and when you think about it, like right, like the way you explained it, when you think about it, it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds like good business practice. You should want your employees to be, you know, well rested and content with their work, and it just seems like just just good business, good sound business. And yet, how has like especially with this portion? I mean, I've already I already know the fear mongering that has happened been happening all over the country with with the spread of the five fifteen. But how has, with the secure scheduling, how has that been um, met by, particularly this would be, I guess, more so of retail and food service industries primarily, it seems like? Uh, uh, you know, um, surprisingly, they're not too happy. Uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people aren't that happy. Whether, you know, um, I think that we're kind of dealing with the same opposition that we always have um, right. when it comes okay. to workers' rights struggles. So, you know, we're dealing with big business lobbyists. Um, we're dealing with retail associations uh, who, right. you know, they literally have Walmart and Target sit on their board of directors. Um, so we're dealing, we're dealing with corporations that don't want to see the bottom line get lost. Um, and that's mm-hmm. been most of our opposition. Um, and a lot of the arguments that came up uh, really weren't true and were addressed. Um, one of the biggest ones that we would hear was about how workers couldn't schedule uh, flexibly themselves if they wanted to, but that's not true because we have um, certain things placed in that piece of legislation that also allow, for example, if you and I still want to swap shifts, we can swap right. shifts. We can um, still swap shifts. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of the fear mongering had to do with miseducation around that. Um, and so, Which tends to be with a lot of things, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, we had a really, really strong presence at all the city council hearings. Um, they also, you know, they weren't, they certainly didn't just watch it happen. Um, they also sort of fought and big business right. corporations tend to, but um, I think at the end of the day, the message was heard that, you know, our time counts and it needs to be respected. I mean, definitely. And like you were saying, um, the presence at the city council meetings, I just, I just saw when I saw the clips yesterday, when, right. when people were doing the testimony and people were speaking and stuff, it was just, um, or I didn't see clips, I saw pictures, but it was amazing to see so many people engaged in actually turning out for, I mean, important things, important legislation gets pushed, you know, and, and, and put forth all the time at all levels of government all over the country. And so often we, the people who benefit most from there, from, would benefit most from it, we're not, we're not in the room when the decisions are being made. Right. We're not in the room when the testimony is being given. So far too often, the, the, the assumption is made wrongfully or rightfully, whatever, however people look at it, mm-hmm. that people don't care or doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But what I saw from all the different organizing that took place out there is that people were present and made sure that they were heard. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was really inspiring. And it was, I think there's a lot of energy because this affects so many people in Seattle. Right. Um, and that's why there's so much coverage around it. That's why um, other cities are now actually looking into it already uh, based on the model that we have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone's brothers, sisters, fathers, cousins are, you know, working for one of these industries. And I think that <clears throat> knowing that they can count on when they'll be able to come home. I think knowing they can count on whether or not they'll be able to go to class and, you know, get that degree uh, part-time where they'll be able to pay rent uh, because right. they know the hours are going to be for that week, that month, uh, that year. Um, I think that means a lot to a lot of people um, and not just the people who are working in there, but people who support them. And we had, I mean, it was a worker's victory all the way where they did all the legwork, but we also had a lot of people who weren't even in those industries who, cause everyone's right. at that job. Um, and so yeah. everyone, you know, everyone knows what it was like. And I think that it was so universal. And I think that that's what created a lot of the energy around it was that it's going to be a lot of things get passed. And if you're not paying attention, you don't know how it's affecting your life. But I think a lot of people in Seattle and hopefully soon uh, the rest of Washington nation are clearly going to see how their lives are affected. Yeah, definitely. I just was just thinking about still my old Navy days in college. Like, I mean, again, I was a college kid working. It was my part time job. But I got when I would get put on the schedule when I was supposed to be in class. And I'm like, you guys have our class schedules for a reason. And you're still scheduling me. I mean, I can only imagine if I actually needed that job to provide for a family you know, I mean, I had to provide right. for myself but just as a college student. It's, it's mm-hmm. a totally different ballgame. But when we're actually talking about people, like you said, like people with kids, people, even if you have elderly family members that you're helping to take care of, like whatever the scenario is, like having that stability, having that security in your scheduling. I mean, it's 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 so, so it's such a value. Yeah, and it's, it's something that 
Yeah, it's something that those of us who are in full-time employment in other industries definitely take for granted, um, you know, day to day. Uh, I don't think we realize, you know, there's a lot of snarky comments people have had, like throughout Five for Fifteen, for example. And I don't think people realize how much you have when you're out, when you're in certain other industries that we take for granted that should be available to everyone who's working. Right, right. It is, and it's easy to take for granted, especially uh, when you work that nine to five. But I think that. Like you said, just the amount of people and the amount of energy. I mean, City Hall was packed. Each of these right. hearings, City Hall was packed. And, you know, it affects a lot of people, and that's good to see. And I think that it will open up a lot of people's eyes, maybe. Uh, people who aren't that in tune with our movement and what we're doing when they see so many people clearly care about something. Um, I think that will help open up a lot of eyes to just how important these issues are that we take for granted. So I was just so it, – it sounds like it's really great, and there's some really awesome, you know – pieces and put in place and like you were saying like you know fight for 15 was like was like almost step one you know this is the next the next another piece to the puzzle um so but 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 what if anything do you think you know where could it have gone farther or what do you think maybe the next step is or or what what's the next fight you know coming over the horizon uh, that's a good question. Um, definitely being the morning <laughs> after the election, it was one that we're talking about. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. I can't now, right? to enjoy the win. Right. No, What's like, next? <laughs> you know, that's, and that's the way it has to be. And I think that, um, so kind of going back to one of the things I was saying earlier is that it also is, though, a part of a long-term movement um, and plan. Right. Um, and so what I mean by that is that this isn't, it's the same thing that we said with 15 uh, when we said this isn't the end. This is the beginning and this is a part of something bigger. Um, and then, you know, secure scheduling, that win is just another part of that. Um, right now we actually have and we're going to be, you know, we're already played a large, working Washington already played a large part in getting it on the ballot. But next we have the 1350 statewide um, ballot initiative uh, that's coming this election cycle um, okay. to raise the minimum wage $4 an hour for the whole state. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a, a big one and important to a lot of people, obviously. And then, I mean, for us, I think it's when we look at what's next, it's kind of as Seattle goes, the rest of the nation goes. Um, we're seeing $15 legislation now from what we did here in Seattle um, globally. I mean, we have Alberta, Canada, right. Um, right. down in California, East Coast. And then we actually saw some articles this week, New York City mayor. Uh, and some of the New York City Council members laid out a plan and a full endorsement for them to get uh, secure scheduling in New York. So I think that uh, we're tied to a bigger movement. And I think that for us, it looks like getting secure scheduling uh, around the world, if that's that's not too big of a term to think on, and uh, getting 1350 here in Washington so that, you know, people can actually get a livable wage right. um, with the way the state is booming. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't mean to be like, so what are you ne- now? What are you going to oh, do? No, but no, no, I mean, no, no, but no it, seriously, it, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, but I think, you know, it's just so, it's just like, it's so, like I said, it's exciting. You know, I'm here in Atlanta. I'm in the South. So, you know, okay. we'll probably be, I, I know the, the movement and workers is definitely strong here, whether how receptive, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the South. But at the same time, it's very inspiring though, to see the work from you know, that you guys are doing, that others are doing in places like Seattle, like you said, California, New York, and elsewhere. Like, it is a global movement, and it's and it's it's every day. What, what I have loved so much from, from, you know, I've kind of only been tuned in the past year so much to this topic more so, but seeing people from all walks of life, seeing people, you know, that you would never expect to be those people who would be the leaders to stand up and lead, they're the ones who are leading, you know, they're the ones who are, are driving this work and it, and it is ex- exciting it is engaging and and i'm you know I'm, I'm optimistic and looking forward to see what else you guys um and others come up with and do next yeah i think i think uh one of the terms that almost at this point gets over said is grassroots but um i think you know if anyone wants to see what working washington's up to um and you you see that um, the stories that are being told are workers who are telling the stories. And right. I think, you know, you see them talking to city council and you see them telling the story. And when you see people gathering petitions for um, the minimum wage initiative, like we were doing in June and July, um, you see it's people who are really affected out there who are doing it. And I think that's what makes it so hopeful for places, whether it's New York, whether it's California, whether it's Atlanta, um, right. is that, it clearly affects so many people so deeply um, 
that we're able to really mobilize around this. And uh, it really is, I mean, the work, the ideas, and getting it passed through, as you can see, if you saw any of those council meetings start to finish, are the people who are most affected by it. And I think that the genuineness of this movement is what's going to make it so long-lasting and get you that down in Atlanta, too. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean, there's some really good people working down here and going real strong, and I think that if we just continue to build momentum and folks stay engaged and involved and connected, right? Because I think having folks connected across, you Mm -hmm. know, different cities and like you said, even globally, I think that adds some extra oomph, so to speak, to to the movement as well. So... So, yeah. Well, this is great. Thank you. I'm going to have to have you guys back. Um, yeah, for sure. We'd love to. <laughs> we'll, have, then we're, we're always going to have something going on, so we'll be back. Well, that's great. I mean, I think we continue, you know, continue to have these conversations. To help One, helps let people see what else is going on out there. But two, I think we do need to just keep driving the conversation and building and sharing ideas and information. So thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, see, I'm, I'm I, you know, the sound was messed up, but that was pretty cool. You know, just like I said, just yesterday, Seattle City Council 9 to 0 um, passed secure ske- scheduling. And, you know, we talked so much about 515. We talked so much about labor rights and, and you know, making sure that everyday average folks have the, the, the resources and the tools to make it happen for themselves and their families. Um, it would be cool to see what's coming down the pipeline from different organizations in terms of paid family leave. You know, there's the whole child care, affordable child care movement. Um, so, yeah. So just going back a little bit to just a little bit of news. And like I said, again, thank you, Andre, for making that happen. You know, here at Progress Arm, we have actually a whole contingent of folks who are actually from Washington, which is pretty wild. And, you would think that they all knew each other, but not really. They, they've all just come together. And it's, and it's very, very cool, though. Um, but just a few things, you know, a few other things that happened in the news uh, today, because I have 10 minutes left. Sorry, again, for technical difficulties in the beginning. We're going to chop this up, edit it, and then I'll add another segment um, to the actual video our video list for the evening. But I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I know there are so many other things that you'll be doing on a Tuesday night, but you are here with me and I greatly appreciate you. Um, Like I was saying earlier, there is quite a bit of news, um, quite a bit of things that happened in the news today. Like I was just mentioning before uh, uh, Milton came in, um, you know, Mylan CEO's mother used her position with education group to boost EpiPen sales according to the USA Today. And uh, they're talking about how Gail Manchin, wife of Senator Joe Manchin, former governor of West Virginia, used her position on a national education organization as president of a national education organization to drive EpiPen sales. So we, we, you know, being involved in stuff with different things that are going on in, in, in politics and paying attention to what our, you know, well, well his wife, you know, there was the whole cheating scandal with his daughter. His wife is using her position. I mean, you know, she's the first lady of West Virginia. And then she was, you know, she's the senator's wife. But in her private capacity, in her personal capacity, she's also helping to drive sales for something that her daughter is driving the price up on. I mean, it's a tangled web that they weave. And we continue to allow and enable and, and elect these people. And And what's even more disgusting by the power play that goes on with, you know, certain groups of people, it's, you know, it's on both sides of the aisle. Um, but particularly when we have, you know, Joe Manchin is a so-called conservative Democrat um, from West Virginia. And right now we have him and others who are uh, uh, propping up a newfound Democrat, Jim Justice, who's an absolute disaster for the state of West Virginia. He's a, he's the only billionaire in the state. He's a coal baron with back taxes and issue, environmental issues in his mind, uh, labor violations, all types of stuff. But, you know, people are falling in line with the whole, he's a good, you know, I got to be a good Democrat and vote for him because he won the Democratic nominee, except he was a Republican until a year ago. Now, I had someone ask me, well, what's, how's that different from Bernie Sanders? I done told y'all, I done told folks time and time again, Bernie Sanders may not have always been a quote unquote Democrat on paper, but his ideas and his policies and his standpoints have always been above and beyond most of the people who run on a Democratic t- ticket, hands down. Um, when you have someone that just comes into your party that does not share the ideas, does not share the values, does not have the best interests of what you're supposedly supposed to stand for, 
but everyone is, you need to pay attention to who's actually getting behind that person and doing the work. And and what's happening right now in West Virginia, and it's not even just that, the the the, the third party. So in West Virginia, they have the Mountain Party. I mean, they have there 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 are various um, third party alternatives in West Virginia, but the Mountain Party is is a pretty well known third party alternative in West Virginia. And um, uh, Charlotte Pruitt is the is the candidate, and she actually beats um, Joe Manchin previously when she in in, in, a, in a race uh, for the Democratic nominee. So she has pre- she has previously been a Democratic nominee for governor, and Joe Manchin was so upset that he lost that he threw his support by the Republican. So this is the type of people that we're talking about here who are out there, you know, making decisions and, and, and engaging the world. I mean, when people show you who they are, you need to pay attention to them. Um, and, 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 you know, they're slandering her. They're trying to say she's worked for Republicans. So similar, it's a similar thing to what's being done to Joe Stein in some ways. Um, the Mountain Party is a Green Party affiliate. So there isn't a Green Party in West Virginia. There's the Mountain Party. So um, that was just, I mean, just, just paying attention to kind of more so what's going on in the political spectrum outside the presidential election, I think is really important. Um, okay, so I was talking earlier when you guys could not hear me, um, and the, the I was talking about what happened in Charlotte just a few hours ago. A few hours ago, there was a, a black man murdered on the sidewalk um, while waiting for a school bus to pick up a child after school. Um, Facebook live video from a woman saying that she was his daughter. We don't have any specific names for anyone involved, so I cannot confirm specifically. And I've been here with you all, so I haven't been in, you know, glued to, to Twitter to find out what's going on. But, um, you know, the allegation is that, you know, they claim that he had, he got out of the car with a gun and they shot because they feared for their lives. What's even worse is that they were trying to serve a warrant on someone in the complex that was not this man that they decided to accost. Um, and from uh, people from their fam from the family members, the family is saying that he was sitting in the car with a book that he was disabled and he did not own a gun. So we will see how this unfolds. Um, it just seems like we cannot catch a break. That when there is one, there's another coming right after it down the pipeline, and something has to give. And this is not the time for, oh, we need to we need to be calm or oh this or that. <laughs> There's no diplomacy when issues when matters of injustice are awry. Um it's just I, I don't it's I I mean there are no words. And to be able to hold it together with you right now and not fall apart, I'm gonna leave it at that. And I'm sure Ben will will will, will, will put his own spin on it. Um, but closing out here again, like I said, appreciate you guys a lot for hanging in there. Um, apparently Chris Christie knew about the bridge lane closings, you know, Chris Christie had the bridge gate. Um, prosecutors are saying that he actually knew as they were happening, that it was happening. He is alleged otherwise. It's just, you know, ish. And this was actually an interesting share. So someone sent me a video earlier of, um, I think it was back in like 98, 99, Jesse Jackson praising Donald Trump for um, helping <laughs> to um, with hiring and, 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 and helping with exposure of black people in, you know, corporate America. Um, you know, someone pointed out, well, you know, Jesse Jackson just slammed him at the Congressional Black Caucus, you know, event recently. Um, you should really, we should really be paying attention to and be wary of the black misleadership class because the same people they have praised and loved and hung out with and been friend with, been friends with and taken money from, same with, you know, Democrats, you know, like Clintons. Um, now all of a sudden they're enemy number one. It, it definitely bows that there's more to what's going on um, right now in the presidential election cycle than just, you know, he bad, she good. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton tweeted out a couple of hours ago that it should be intolerable, intolerable that shootings happen. Um, not to mention the fact that these shootings are actually people are dying. People are being killed. Police are standing around like someone shot and dead. Do, 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 do. I mean, it's despicable that people are not providing um assistance. You just sit there and just let somebody bleed out on a cold pavement while you maybe wait for an ambulance to come. I mean, there should be a requirement that you administer aid and provide assistance. 
Like it just should not be accepted that people are allowed to die on the side of a road or en route to a hospital. It should not be acceptable that people's families are denied access to see them while in such hospital. Like it's 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 beyond egregious. It's beyond intolerable. It's beyond it should be intolerable. It is intolerable. And while I'm on the subject, Hillary Clinton, since I only have a few minutes before Ben comes on, um. Hillary, you know, was on Steve Harvey this morning talking about how she's she's talking to the white people about race. I don't know how the hell you talking to white people about race if you want Steve Harvey. Like you go on black radio to prove to black people that you about their issues. That's that's the ploy. That's what people do. However, um, if you really about that life, you really going to talk to white people about race, Hillary, then you need to be on Ellen. You need to make sure that you're in venues and, and you're talking about issues when the black vote is not on the line. Like that is the real testament of leadership right now. And not because some consultant someplace said that this is what you need to do and how you need to do it. This is, you know, what's going on. Um, Just had a comment in the room. Damn, that's why I use a Kindle. I mean, a Kindle, a Kindle probably look more like a gun than a book does. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I got thrown off because of the technology issues Again, if you have a dollar five, please consider donating to the way patreon.com slash the way with the Noah. Um, really trying to bring up the quality of the show to make sure that I'm matching what Ben is providing you on a weekly basis and would like to be able to build out a few more, a little bit more. Um, join me for a new special segment. I'm going to try this on Thursday. So hopefully the tech will work properly for tea time with Nono. I'm going to sip a little tea and we're going to talk a little bit about some truth. Um, so that's the way for Noah for this evening. Um, thank you so much. I just, again, had Milton Davis check out, uh, working Washington on Twitter and that's the show. Talk to you guys later. Peace. From Washington was able to talk with us. So, so definitely check out this, this next clip, um, from our interview. Well, that has been another edition of The Way with Fanoa. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Um, check out the website, thewaywithfanoa.com. Please like, subscribe, share. And, you know, if if you believe, as I believe, in furthering, you know, good conversations about meaningful issues and topics, chopping it up and having a little bit of fun sometime, definitely go by my Patreon page and, and, and contribute what you can. I mean, we're building this together, so I appreciate you. All right, goodbye.